Back in March of this year, 2021, I released a podcast episode titled, Why Your Doctor Says Your Labs Look Normal When You Don't Feel Normal. I recorded this episode on the heels of my first pregnancy and subsequent miscarriage. I had just gotten my blood lab results back from my primary care physician and had a pretty fun interaction with her. Now, I love my PCP, but after she sent me my blood chemistry results, she told me the same thing I'd heard from previous doctors only a million times. Everything looks normal except one lab marker. That one lab marker, it turns out, was really important, and it was extremely high, high enough even for her to notice. And I have no idea why my doctor didn't give me a single recommendation about what to do about it. However, I downloaded my results, put them into my spreadsheet, which was has my functional lab ranges and analysis information on it, and started the real digging. Around the same time, I had a call with a client of mine where, at the end of the call, she was tearing up and angry, asking, why didn't my doctor tell me any of this? We were reviewing information she'd seen before, her blood labs, prior to ordering any functional lab testing for her. She'd been told many times before that the information in her blood chemistry was normal and there was nothing to do about it. This made her very sensitive and suspicious about spending any further time or money in doing any functional lab testing. And so we were doing this call just to see what would we find. When we reviewed her blood chemistry, we found patterns in her blood markers that pointed to a chronic low-grade infection. I mean, all of her markers pointed in that direction. Her iron, her lipid panel, which has cholesterol in it, her complete blood count, her white blood cell count, her comprehensive metabolic panel, everything, even her thyroid. And she had probably been that way for about two years. Frustrated, she was crying in both relief and anger. Finally, she had some answers, but why didn't she have them sooner? It was then that I first recorded my initial thesis on why doctors are not reading your labs right. It wasn't a top-performing podcast episode, though I still think it should be, and it wasn't special beyond the fact that it got me thinking. What if every woman could read her blood labs? What if women and men didn't need to take their doctor's word for their health anymore? What if we, as human beings, simple people, had power and understanding in our own hands to negotiate and communicate clearly with the medical system? And what if we had data that proved we were gaslighting ourselves and stopped all of the self-doubt and feelings that we were just making up our symptoms? We do. We have that power. We have that data. And it's in our blood. The only problem is we just don't know how to read it. So that was when the idea for Blood Lab Bootcamp was born. And today, I'm so happy to announce that as of January 5th, 2022, my premier course, Blood Lab Bootcamp, will be launching a second time for a second round of students. As a part of this announcement, I'm sharing with you today the six reasons your doctor is reading your labs wrong, plus how you can learn to do it better. I am so excited for Blood Lab Bootcamp, and it's my goal by the, that by the end of this episode and over the course of the next two months, you'll understand why and you'll be excited too. 
Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys. So on today's episode, I am going to be covering the six reasons that your doctor is reading your blood labs wrong and what you can do about it. But I want to let you know that for each of these six points, I'm not going to go into as much depth in them as I have in our previous episode, episode 31, why your doctor says your labs look normal when you don't feel normal. If you want to learn more or hear a case study where I talk about a client of mine that we actually looked at her blood labs and and actually what we found on them, I encourage you to go and check out that episode. It's I talk a little bit more in depth than I'm going to today because not only am I going to hit these six points to in today's episode, I'm also going to be talking about how you can read blood labs yourself. And also I'm throwing in this other question that I hear a lot, which is why is my doctor not reading it this well? Because I do want to point out that this episode is not about bashing doctors. It's not about saying doctors are stupid. It's not about cutting down doctors. It's really just about giving some information to equip you so you can move forward. I find, and part of what goes on with the medical system and the word doctor is that we are prone to say, well, the doctor said it, so it's set in stone. It's it's singular truth. And there's this kind of power dynamic of I'm an imbecile. I'm not a doctor. I didn't go through med school. I can't understand these things. Um, or, how, you know, there, there's just an authority and a power shift that that's very uncomfortable when, when we're talking about receiving information from doctors. And so, again, this isn't about saying that that doctors don't know anything or, or anything like that, but it's trying to break down that mystical wall of, well, we just have to trust what the doctor says because no, we actually can receive information on our side. We can know things on our side. We can stand up for ourselves and we can analyze things just like you analyze a good car deal or you might analyze, um, <laughs> all sorts of things that we that we analyze. Like you understand how to cook food. You can read a recipe. You know how to read, period. You can read an article. You can develop an opinion on politics. There are things that you're you're able to do and it's the same in health. And so that's what today's episode is about, is giving some concrete details on what exactly is going on uh, when your doctor is misreading your labs and what you can do about it. All right, and... Without further ado, six reasons your doctor's reading your labs wrong. So number one, 
probably the most important thing and just the first foundational thing. Your doctor is using standard ranges when they're comparing your results. So real quick, that's a really short thing. Whenever you get your blood chemistry, you have some number, 61. I'm just throwing that out there. Some some number that is your result, what was actually found in your blood, 61 was the marker for your whatever it is we're looking at. And then the doctor has no idea if 61 is is good or not until they look at a range that says, well, we kind of want your blood, this blood mark, this particular blood marker to be uh, either below this top level marker or above this, this lower level marker. And what we call that is a standard range. Here's the thing. We, we, we kind of assume, well, if it's in the range, then it must be good, right? Uh, but what we are not told and what's not talked about is where does the standard range come from? Who decides that the that high is the highest and that low is the lowest? Do y'all know that? And I almost want to make you wait, like really think, like where do you think, where have you thought that range comes from? Who decided it? How did they decide it? What are some of the assumptions we're assuming about that range when when we're looking at it and the doctor says, yeah, everything's fine, it's all within range, and you look at it and you're like, yeah, I guess it is all in range. What are we assuming about that range? Well, we're assuming the range is trustworthy, and here's the problem, it's not. A standard range is developed not by analyzing people who are healthy, it's developed by creating the average of all lab test results that that lab has ever done. And so every lab is a little different, like some laboratories only serve certain states or certain cities. Some laboratories will serve an entire nation. And so I think Quest is the one that serves like the entire U.S. All of their standard ranges are going to be based on the average of every person they've ever had blood chemistry taken from in any state in any city, whether it's rural, it could be urban, it could be it could be anything. And these people aren't necessarily healthy. Actually, plenty of people aren't healthy. And we really know that in America, our health trajectory has been going down in general. The number of people with autoimmune diseases, the number of people who are overweight or feel sick or have mental illness. Um, we just realize average isn't necessarily the best. That's huge. And so the the solution to the standard range problem is something called a functional range. And a functional range was developed by researchers and doctors who realized the flaw in standard ranges, and they're calling themselves functional. And functional is kind of referring to people looking for the root cause of a problem. So any you could have a functional nutritionist, a functional doctor. I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Uh, it means that I'm somebody who is looking at the root cause, not just saying, well, you know, your your blood sugar's high, so just stop eating carbs. And that's, that's not what's going on when people's blood sugar is high, especially if you're like already, um, you know, cutting carbs or cutting sugary foods, things like that. There's so much more going on that actually could be going on with blood sugar when it's a little high or a lot high. Uh, and that's one of the things we talk about in Blood Lab Bootcamp. But uh, the first thing you just need is a better range. And so doctors and researchers said when we get a healthy person, what do healthy people's ranges tend to be? And so they're these more narrow, specific ranges for everything, for thyroid, for blood, for blood glucose, for calcium, for iron, all sorts of stuff. It's a much more specific range. And those ranges can change as researchers and functional 
doctors are getting some more data and some, you know, but for the most part, they're incredibly helpful. They're very stable. And it's something communicated across the entire functional industry of, hey, this is what we're finding. Is this what you're finding in your healthy patients? So that's the number one most important game changer is if you just have a functional range, if you can just plug in the numbers you got and put them side by side with a better range, a functional range instead of a standard range, you're already going to be seeing a very different picture. Number two, the second problem with why your doctor is just not reading your labs right is that your labs are missing key markers, which prevents your doctor from seeing important patterns that help paint the full picture. So when my number one pet peeve with blood chemistry is when someone orders Uh, Someone says, I get a client says, my doctor just ordered me um, information, blood chemistry for my my thyroid. We'll have that soon. And I'm kind of sitting in the back thinking, oh, dear, what have they ordered for their thyroid? And I come back and all I get is one marker, TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. This is a communication from the brain to the thyroid that says, please make thyroid. Um, That is not where thyroid's made in the thyroid glands and thyroid makes some other things called T3 and T4. Actually, it only makes T4. T3 is made somewhere else in the body. It's converted from T4 to T3. Uh, There's there's another marker called reverse T3, which you want to know how much there is because it's deactivated T3. So even if your T3 is low, like there's just like all these things I'm looking at. I'm like, this tells me nothing. You literally have missing key. Like it's, it's like someone giving you a puzzle. You can see the picture on the front. You know what you should be getting out of the puzzle and you open up. It's got like maybe it's a hundred piece puzzle and you got four puzzle pieces and you're like, this does not cut it. Even if it's the four corners of the fu- of the puzzle, it's just incredibly lacking data. That, that means you have literally no idea what's going on. Um, and so in Blood Lab Bootcamp, we tell you what markers A, you just want in general, and B, I even highlight the ones that are most commonly missing and why you want them and what nuances in data that they create. And we really dive into thyroid specifically on what what's the entire physiological process for thyroid and how does that teach you about your entire rest of your health because thyroid is not just about thyroid thyroid's about blood sugar it's about stress levels it's about pathogens it's about nutrient levels it's about absorption of your gut lining it's about leaky gut it's about inflammation how thyroid functions has to do with your liver and your gut and your microbiome and we dig into that in blood lab boot camp so you are equipped and it's one of the reasons if you've ever heard anyone say you don't necessarily need medication potentially to fix your thyroid problem, medication is not the only thing you can do to support your thyroid. If you've ever heard anyone say that, that's because of this. So when you take blood lab boot camp, you learn these things. Um, you learn the most number one most common uh, marker that is missing in iron panels that can really that actually can tell you if you have potentially a pathogen. It's a phenomenal marker for for sensing a pathogen in the body and can also be a reason that you're having anemia despite taking an iron supplement or despite eating foods that are higher in iron, like a red meat. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of stuff. And so that's number two is just doctors aren't ordering stuff that's helpful. The reason for that, there's a lot of reasons for it. And they, I think that there's so many reasons. Sometimes the doctors don't even know themselves. Um, but there's this like standard of like, this is what you order for this, 
this, you know, for thyroid, you just do TSH. It's a little bit cheaper. They don't have to pay out insurance as much. The more you do, the more that a doctor can actually get nailed by their hospital system for saying, why are you ordering these labs that we don't see as relevant? So for whatever reason, they've deemed something relevant. And that could be some research that, again, we're not necessarily agreeing with. It could just be what the fact that the hospital says this is expensive and we're trying to minimize what we're paying out to insurance and what we're billing insurance for. So it's a money game and you don't get to pick that. You have no choice. You have no consent. Nothing is communicated to you. And then there's like all these different little hidden things. And so you end up missing key markers because there's politics and there's there's history and there's all this weird stuff going on. And I can't always explain all of it. I don't even know why. I know it happens. I don't, I, but I, on a day-to-day basis, can't be like, well, let's try and avoid this. I still have to wrestle with my doctor sometimes for blood chemistry. So if I have to wrestle too much, I buy outside of them because they're not ordering what I need. That being said, that leads us to number three. Um, your doctor isn't seeing internal patterns in your blood labs. And that has to do with the fact that not all important information is just about are you outside of the range, even a functional range. You could have a bunch of markers inside of the functional range, but if some are higher compared to others that are lower or vice versa, or maybe they're at the they're at the same level and they shouldn't be at the same level, that in itself is important. These internal patterns are really easy to miss if you have a doctor who's rushed for time, who I maybe doesn't even know about the internal pattern, who doesn't care about the internal patterns. Those are the things that I even have clients come to me who've already seen functional doctors. They'll hand me the labs that they got from those functional doctors. And I'll look through it and say, did your doctor point out this thing about your alkaline phosphatase? Did your product doctor point out this thing about your calcium? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, it's like bleeding all over the place. That It's just obvious that that there's stuff going on. And so I I sometimes wonder if there's some rushed quality of problems. Um, but, But a lot of times, again, we're just lacking that nuance of internal pattern saying, even if these are within range of one's higher and one's lower, uh, compared to each other, that's going to be important. Number four, and fourth reason your doctor is reading your blood labs wrong, your doctor And this has to do a little bit about application, but it's still conceptually like what is the doctor thinking as they're reading your blood labs, but your doctor's only throwing a supplement or medication at every imbalance. And this becomes problematic because they're not looking for root causes. They're not looking for patterns. They're not looking at, they'll look at an individual marker like vitamin D and they're like, oh, it's low. I'm just going to give you some vitamin D. You're like, look, buddy, if my problem was vitamin D, It would have got solved three doctors ago who also recommend me take vitamin D, but I still have fatigue and I still have hormone imbalance and my skin's still horrible and my gut is is miserable. How is taking vitamin D, it's going to help you marginally unless it's the root cause. And very, 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 very often vitamin D is low because it's the body's response to another problem in the body. So when when they're reading it, all they all they see is supplement or medication. Boom. Thyroid's low. Medication. This is low. Whatever. Supplement. Iron's low. Supplement vitamin D, right? And so it's kind of like you end up hearing the same thing over and over again. Take some iron, take some vitamin D, take some calcium, and they kick you out. And you realize you're never told, and I don't know if they even know or how much awareness they have. I don't know what's going on fully, 
but they are not acting on the fact that calcium can be low because you have a pathogen or vitamin D can be low because you have a pathogen or iron can be low because you have a pathogen. That's a really common denominator, Uh, but it's not the only thing we can be thinking about. There's liver function. There's all sorts of stuff. So functional lab analysis or functional analysis of labs actually finds these patterns so that you can regularly and consistently predict the root cause. Now you don't always, you don't have the test in front of you. Say you read your blood chemistry and you're like, wow, it really looks like I've got a pathogen, right? We actually need to do a second test to confirm, well, which pathogen is it? Do you actually have it? Do you have three? (laughs) I call it the triple crown when I see uh, three H. pylori, a parasite and candida. And I've had plenty of people we find the triple crown on. And so this is very important that you can see imbalances in in your blood chemistry and understand the root cause. And that's what I teach in Blood Lab Bootcamp is when you look at it, not just, oh, yay, now I have the functional range. I mean, if all I gave you was the functional range, that's worth like 10 cents, right? Like here's a sheet, here's an Excel sheet, have at it, woohoo. Um, like now you, you still know relatively nothing. You're like, well, why is my calcium low or why is my protein high or why is my whatever these things are that you're thinking about? But no, in Blood Lab Bootcamp, we teach you all the little internal patterns. We teach you what it means if one marker is high or low, how to correlate to your symptoms, how to, number five, look beyond the lab sheet. So a lot of times doctors only look at the lab sheet and they're, they know that you say your tummy hurts and that your period sucks and all this stuff, but all they see is, well, all your labs look normal. They're, they're not even trying to correlate your symptom, your symptomology, which is real data, to your lab sheet. And so that is another problem we run into. And it's something that I find is unique in blood, blood lab boot camp because sometimes we can still understand functional lab ranges and internal patterns. And then we don't also say, well, this is low. Do you actually have the symptoms we'd expect you to? Or if this is high, you have five options of what, what might be going on. What do your symptoms most align with? Because symptoms are super helpful. So if there's one thing I could walk away or have you walk away with is your symptoms matter. And there's a lot of emotion behind that because it can be scary to trust our own symptoms because we feel like, well, well, if my symptoms are real and they're not in my head and I can actually do something about it, what do I do and where do I go and what does this even mean? And we've kind of gotten into this place, well, my doctor said nothing's going on and so maybe it's all in my head and I'm making it up and I should just le- let leave leave things alone. And this is the best I'm ever going to feel anyways. It's just how my body is. I'm just stuck here. And this is, it is, it is just mind boggling. It really opens up the doors when, when we say, well, my symptoms do matter. What now? But that's the truth. Your symptoms do matter. And I teach you how to put your symptoms in an organized manner to understand them all when you're reading your blood chemistry so that you realize like, oh, it's not all in my head. I'm not making things up. I'm not crazy. And then number six, uh, your doctor's only blaming one thing for a marker being high or low. So for example, if glucose is high, I commonly see doctors only recommend lowering sugar and carb intake, but blood co- glucose can be high, which I've already kind of re- referred to for more than one reason. 
It can be stress. It can be pathogens. It can be, and by stress, I mean, it could be like a car accident or having given birth, or there's all these things that cause a stress, financial stress. There's things that cause a stress that aren't just like mental health related. It can be physical health related. Even the stress of having a pathogen in your body will raise your blood sugar because it's stressful. (laughs) Interestingly enough, you could have a very peaceful kind of emotional life. You could have done a lot of meditation and work in your spiritual life. You could have gotten counseling and have pretty healthy relationships. You could have a lot of things going for you. And if you have H. pylori or candida or a parasite in your body, your body feels like it's under attack and your cortisol raises, which raises your blood sugar. And then your doctor's like, stop eating sugar. And you're like, what? (laughs) And so we cover this in the course. How do you evaluate if your sugar's high for one reason or another? Do you have insulin resistance? What's going on? So I teach you about all that. And one bonus that I wanted to highlight, which I've kind of already referred to, um, it's not in the official six because I don't know if I can attribute this to all doctors and exactly what's going on, but I see a a huge problem of doctors not I think that there's this problem of doctors not spending enough time reviewing labs. They're given a really small amount of time. Insurance says, we will pay you for 10-minute visit with with your client. Anything more than that or with your patient, if they spend 15 minutes with you, 20 minutes with you, they're losing money according to the hospital system because they can only bill you for that 10 minutes. And they're, it's basically like a, the the genius of the hospital system is that they can see a lot of people, like there's a lot of people being churned through the hospital system. But the only way that they even accomplish that is because of how they've used uh, Henry Ford's concept of an assembly line in in healthcare. And so every person at every point of the assembly line does one thing and they check one thing and that's it. And so your PCP checks one thing and then says, okay, here's who I'm going to refer to you to next or try this one vitamin D thing. And, and they've got kind of a very small range of motion. They can't do a lot. They can send you on to the next part of the assembly line. And the next part of the assembly line, you're seeing the rheumatologist or the or your OBGYN or whatever it is. Like you're you're going to the next part of the assembly line and that part of the assembly line does the same five things with almost everybody like, okay, here's your option, birth control, here's your test, blood chemistry, here's your test, CAT scan, whatever it is that they do. And so um, then everything's parceled up into really like, okay, if you're an assembly line, we want this part of the assembly line to run you know, at this rate. And so you only have 10 minutes per patient because that's how fast the assembly line needs to move so that we can get you onto the next person and and we can see more people and and kind of make more money and bill insurance. And that's kind of actually what happened. So there's money involved. And I think that sometimes when I talk with people and they're like, well, Allison, you're whatever you do, it's great, but it costs money. Everything costs money and it's costing you money to not get better. It's costing you money to continue to go through the hospital system. It's causing the hospital money. It, everything is costing money and money is 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 a barrier to you always. It's always a factor in what's going on. What we can change is our education level. What we can change is our awareness of what's going on so that we can put power into our own hands. That's like just like going to college puts a certain level of power. And of course, you know, there's the whole thing of does it get you jobs and stuff. But but it's still a big deal to go to college. If you're a first generation college student, you know that that's a big deal. And college degrees just open up doors. They expose you to things when you're in college, all that jazz. And so this is this is the same thing as as learning how to read, 
learning how to read empowers you to look at a cereal box and know what's in it, empowers you to know what part of the highway you need to go on to next, empowers you to catch up on the news when you're reading. Um, reading has been key for transportation and and movement and making money for a really, really long time. And that's the same thing with your blood chemistry. So I've already talked a little bit about why your doctors are reading your labs wrong. Like on a, like, how did we even get here perspective? Because I get asked that a lot. And I, and I think it's an important question to be asking to also remember, like I said, that doctors are not malicious. They're not the healthcare system like no one created the healthcare system to say, you know, it would be great to create a system where we just gaslight people all day long. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with the concept of gaslighting, it, it's basically, uh, I think it actually comes from a movie, if I'm not mistaken, where where this guy ends up making his wife think she's crazy by having these lights go on and off and she keeps thinking the lights on and when she turns around, it's off. I believe that's how, I haven't seen the movie. I don't like horror it's a horror film or like a thriller, one of those. I don't really like those at all. Um, but this guy's doing it to make his wife feel crazy. So I, it's like, so he can legally put her, it's like, he's like trying to divorce her or something like that. And so he can legally get her put into a, you know, insane asylum. It's just incredible. Um, so that's where gaslighting comes from. It's, it's like this intentional choice to make someone feel crazy. Uh, so that's not what the healthcare system was set up for that. It's just, it's, it's backwards for everyone if that's what the intention was, but that is what ends up happening. And so I have extreme gratitude and respect for the healthcare system and for how it's improved over the years. Um, and by years, I mean like just all the things we've learned, all the all the new penicillin, all the stuff. It's good. These are good things. We save lots of lives, um, and and I'm also really glad because I will point out. Uh, sometimes I tell my clients, you know, if if your symptoms are severe enough, or I tell people I'm talking with, like, go to the hospital. I'm not a good ER. It's just true. Functional doctors are not functional health practitioners are not good ERs. ERs are good ERs. So. The main goal of the health system is to healthcare system is to keep you alive. That is their goal. It's not to keep you healthy. Be, and this has to get into a little bit of money stuff and all the stuff. And if you've if you're familiar with this concept of hearing someone say the healthcare system keeps you alive and not healthy, like they'll take out your gallbladder, they'll take out something that is killing you, um, they'll do the surgery. But if you're not dying in front of them, what are they going to do? Maybe throw some medication give you a painkiller, kind of make your life more at ease. But there's there needs to be a little bit more proactiveness of, of if you're actually going to be healthy, what foods are you going to choose to eat? Or who are you going to talk to to get more information on your health? Um, if the hospital system doesn't know what's going on, it's usually because you're not sick enough. They have these parameters of how close are you to dying, right? And so if you're really sky high off the off the markers here, um, you are going to be like, oh, they're like, oh, we have to act. We need to put you in surgery now. You need to go under anesthesia. They're going to move really fast. That's good. They're really good at identifying, like, are you coding? Like, do you need a ventilator? All these things. And so 
um, this is this is good. We can save lives. Um, but 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 the gray area, the like not feeling well, functional, not really functional, not dying actively. You're not sick enough for them to know what to do because it's it's not fine tuned in that way. The, and I want you to think about your own car insurance or your homeowner's insurance. Your car insurance doesn't care if you have an oil leak. Your car insurance doesn't care if you need your oil changed or like, there's a lot of things your car insurance just generally doesn't care about. It cares about if you like got totaled. It cares about if you got in a pretty severe accident. Um, there, dep- everybody's car insurance covers different stuff. Um, maybe, you know, did you get vandalism or something? Um, but for the most part, the average car insurance, or at least the car insurance I've had most of the time, like you're, you're paying a pretty penny if you're getting every small thing that could happen to your car covered. And so you cover the big stuff, the stuff that would demolish your ability to drive the car. And so same with homeowners insurance, like you, most of the insurance is towards the crazy stuff, the fire, the tornado, the crazy hail. Um, and so health insurance is, is that way or in healthcare is kind of like, well, we need, just need to keep you alive. But then after that, it's like, well, we saved your life, but you know, we don't, they're not like giving you a place to live. They're not, you know, coming to your house to feed you food. Like that's a whole other extra level of stuff going on. And so that's part of what's going on. It was it was designed to like they just can't take care of everybody with every single small problem. So they're dealing with they chose some problems to deal with. That's important that everyone has access to because everyone has a body. Right. Otherwise, you just people having dying and that'd be bad. That would look really, really bad. So the healthcare system had to ask itself, well, what are we going to take care of? We can't take care of everything or or even what we're going to take care of. How are we going to take care of it? And they set all these standards up for one reason or another. And here's a fun thing. Who decides what's offered in the healthcare system? What labs do they choose they're going to offer? What education services do they choose they're going to offer? Did you know that pharmaceuticals and health products is the number one highest spender in lobbying of all lobbying industries? Pharmaceuticals and health products. So these are the people making medications and health products, I think, includes like like pacemakers, things like that. So like physical products you're using for your health. So in 2020, pharmaceuticals and health products as an industry like as an industry spending, they lo- they spent the money to lobby the government to like you know make decisions that they want. They spent three hundred and six million dollars in lobbying. The interesting thing, the other, I mean, it just keeps getting more interesting. The number two highest spender in lobbying, the number two highest, this is an industry, spent pretty much half that amount. million. So 306 million for pharmaceuticals and health products. This number two category was 156.9 million, half that amount. And that was electronics and equipment manufacturers, interestingly enough. Now, one of the one of the categories that I remember growing up and hearing a lot of like darkness, oh, those lobbyists, they're so dark and evil. They're um really twisting the government and how they're how they're creating laws and 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 preferring preferencing certain things and writing tax laws and all this stuff. Well, oil and gas lobbyists, which is the one I always heard about, they always got a lot of flack on the news for spending money to sway the government. Well, they were number six on the list. They spend one hundred and ten point six nine million on lobbying. That's about one third the amount of pharmaceuticals and health products. And if you want to see these statistics, I have a link for you in the show notes where you can see the data from statistics. 
Vista.com. So just go to the show notes and check that out if you want to see a pretty graph. So there is a war, which I've already mentioned, and it's financial, which I've already mentioned. Um, And it's swaying science. It's swaying your access to types of solution you want with your health. It's making your doctor, you know, it comes down from the top and eventually your doctor's getting pressed into a corner of why are you ordering these lab markers? And then they ask you, well, why do you want these lab markers ordered? And you're like, I'm just an average human being and I want some information. Um, So even if you're not a lobbyist, and most likely you're not, you can still vote with your dollar about what you want for your health. You vote with what type of food you buy, organic or inorganic. You vote on what type of toxic or non-toxic personal care products you buy. You can vote what type of with what type of healthcare provider you work with. And you can vote by investing in yourself and your own ability to learn about health. And I know a lot of my clients who have spent a lot of times on books or in blogs and maybe taking little courses here and there and picking up information and they can advocate for themselves better. But if you can read labs, that's a whole other thing. It's a language the doctors speak. Now, do they, will they agree with you at the end of the day? That's a, you know, point that's up in the air. And I am going to talk about this because this is not about getting everyone to agree with you. This is about helping yourself pave your own path. Let me say that again. You're not going to get everyone to agree with you just because you can read these things, but you can find answers that then also have solutions so that you can feel better. And you don't have to kind of be guessing. That's another problem. And another reason I wanted to teach Blood Lab Bootcamp is otherwise, without data, without testing, you're totally just guessing. Well, I think I have candida. I think I have a histamine problem. And you're changing your diet and you're following certain blogs and you take some turmeric or some supplements. And and it may or may not be making a little bit of a difference, but you're not clearly feeling better if you're listening to this podcast or you're at least an incredibly curious human being who feels pretty okay in their health. Um, but once you know how to read your blood labs, that is, or, you know, the coolest things is that you can read for others. And that's, you know, literal reading, like your five-year-old can't read, or maybe your three-year-old, it depends on how quickly they're reading, right? But your small child can't read, or even your, you know, elementary school kid can't read the same quality or the same level of information as you, but you read for them. And then you say, you know, this sign says warning, this sign says, you know, that we need to go this way or that way, and your kid benefits from it. It's you, It's the same when reading blood labs. You can read blood labs for your mom, your dad, your spouse, your children. It The benefits go on. All right, I have to admit at this point, I really wish I was in a crowd. <laughs> I feel like I'm so excited, and I want you all to be too. I feel like I see disbelief on people's faces like, I don't want to do this. I don't think I can. I don't have a medical degree. Or what if I do spend this money and I don't feel better? Or I've learned nothing. You're going to learn something. I have worked with lot, I've worked with dozens of women, dozens of women. And every time we look at their blood labs, every time we look at their functional lab, chem, like labs, once we do a functional lab test, they ha- there is nothing normal about their lab tests. And I always tell them it's kind of like Christmas. It's like Christmas. You plug in those numbers. You're like, holy cats, there's more here. I can actually do something. So I wish I was in a room right now. Um, Here's why you can do better. So the reason you can do better is, first off, you don't need a medical degree. That's really good. Um, You need what doctors aren't using. Functional lab ranges, awareness of internal patterns, correlating symptoms with your blood markers, and understanding how to identify the root cause so that you're not just using one 
supplement or one medication or one answer to every problem. You can learn all this pretty much how you learn to read, just one marker at a time. You learn to read by learning one alphabet letter at a time. You learned how to read. Then you learned how to read every alphabet letter in groupings. Then you, which we call words. (laughs) Then you learned how to read these words in strings together, which we call sentences. And then you learned how to apply what you learn from these words to your daily life. Whether that's information on how to cook or information on how to, you know, be kind to other kids. I'm trying to think about what information is in like really young books. A lot of it's like emotional and like how to, you know, ask for forgiveness or how to, that's what I remember from my kids' books. Otherwise, Dr. Seuss has a lot of environmentalist stuff in it. I don't think I like picked up on it as a kid, but we do. Like that's what happens. The next thing is we learn to apply what we learn from what we read in the words that we're seeing. So it's the same process in Blood Labs. You learn how to read individual markers, just high and low. What are the options of what that means? How did this thing get high or how did it get low? Um, How do we help it get to a better range? Then you read them in groupings. Okay, now we've got, you know, if this is high, what other markers are high that will be high for the same reason? Well, if calcium is high, is protein high? Is alkaline phosphatase high or is it low? What are the all the different pairings and the groupings um, that that will mean something then to me? And then once you can see all those markers, first off, you can analyze them with your symptoms and say, ooh, does this actually correlate with some of the things I'm feeling? Why? Yes, it does. And you can even look through history and say, um, you know, I had this really fun, one of my favorite um, experiences, I had so many, but from our first blood lab boot camp course of students or cohort of students, you'd say, um, was that we had one gal who, because she'd been feeling increasingly poorly over the last year, she had three different sets of blood chemistry markers and they weren't all the same. You know, it was either three different doctors or something like that. So she didn't have every single marker, every single time, but she had a bunch of them overlap. And she particularly was able to see her white blood cell count go from normal to high to low. She was able to see a couple of her specific white blood cell markers, something called a neutrophil and lymphocytes go in like low, high, normal, things like that. Like they had this specific movement and I was like, oh my gosh, this shows this pattern of you going from start probably your blood markers probably hadn't caught up with the fact that you weren't feeling well. And then the next thing we know is your blood markers are showing signs of an acute infection, acute meaning it's recent, it's, it's happening, it's big and it's right now. And then chronic infection, which is it's probably, you probably still don't feel good, but it's, it's low grade and it's been happening for a while now. Now it's, now it's more long term and the markers will change and we could see this. It was like a story. It was like a movie. Um, and so that's what you learn when you learn how to read your blood chemistry is, is seeing, you just learn it one at a time, groupings, paragraphs, (laughs) whole books, whole stories and whole movies. And so, Before we end this episode, one question I wanted to field as we're getting ready to do this, because I'm going to invite you all to sign up for a Blood Lab Bootcamp waitlist. That's going to be the best place for you to get information the day that the registration opens. We're also going to be having some fun opportunities and some one-of-a-kind offers for Blood Lab Bootcamp that you will not want to miss. So if you're intrigued, if you're like, oh my gosh, I want this like yesterday, 
Get ready. Blood Lab Bootcamp is opening in January 5th, but get on the wait list now so you can be the first to know, have first access, plus access to our one-of-a-kind offers on the course. So, But the question that I also got that I found seemed like a pretty big barrier to people, and um, I totally understand why, was hey, I don't have recent blood labs. Do I need blood labs to take this course? And so we have actually a couple, I've got a couple cool things on this because we realize that some people will come to this course um, either wanting to talk to their doctor but not knowing what markers to get. And so at the beginning of the course, when you take it, we actually have a handout, a PDF that tells you, has just you just print it out and you hand it to your doctor and you can say, these are the blood markers that I want. So you could work with your doctor that way and you could get recent blood markers. Um, another thing is that we have actually partnered with a lab and you can order labs through us. All the markers that you need, no questions asked from your doctor or anyone else, and just pay $225. $225, super, super affordable. I have had clients pay more when they like they order the labs and then their insurance just like kicks them in the butt because there is no transparency on fees in, or there is at least difficult transparency in fees for uh, blood or for, for any, for a lot of things, insurance and, and, and covered by insurance in the healthcare system. 225 though, I mean, it's way, way lower than anything that I've seen with insurance. If insurance doesn't cover something, it can get expensive fast. So that's another option that you have is just that blood chemistry. Um, we order it. You just go to a local lab near you. You pay them a little fee to draw your blood and then they'll even send it in. It's like super simple. People have said that they've loved it and it's been really simple for them. You can use any old blood labs. So maybe you don't have recent blood labs, but you can use old ones to practice on so they won't be your 100% updated you, but you could use it to A, peer into your past self, which is always pretty interesting. And you just use it to practice the skills you're gaining and how to read blood labs. And then the other thing is, is you don't necessarily even have to have blood chemistry at all to take the course because the intention is that you will have blood chemistry at some point in time. And if you're not feeling well, it's probably soon and you'll be ready when you show up. The biggest thing in life is not to be ready after you show up. You don't want to get to the beach and be like, hmm, should have put on a bathing suit, should have had sunscreen. You want to come to the beach before you've left for the beach, before you've arrived at the beach. What do I need? Oh, I need sunscreen. I need a bathing suit. I need an umbrella. I want a book to read. You bring all those things. And so it's the same with blood chemistry. Don't wait until you needed it yesterday. Wait, do it in advance. And so that's the last thing I have to say. You know, if all these don't work, you're like, I don't want to give the PDF to my doctor. I don't have the money or don't want to spend money or whatever it is. I don't want new blood lip chemistry. I don't have any old. If you're, you can just, just take it, just do it. And if you're interested and if you're even thinking about it, then I'd say that is reason enough to do it because your kids are going to have it. Your roommate's going to have it. Your blood chemistry, you know, practice on somebody else's blood chemistry. But the big thing is just to, to learn the information because we do these in courses. So there's cohorts, there's community learning, there's live group coaching calls where you get to come in and ask questions about the course and have me review your blood labs. There'll be two of those this time around. Since we're having more students, we're spreading the, the students out to two different live calls. Um, and so you'll have more of an opportunity to pick a day that works for you. But that is what I recommend. And that is my answer. You do not need to have blood labs to take the course. And if you want blood labs, we give you a variety of ways that you can accomplish getting those. 
All right. Well, if you are ready to exit confusion and stop guessing about why you feel the way you do, and you want power in your own hands, you want to understand your body, then Blood Lab Bootcamp is the course for you. You can sign up now on our wait list by going to betterbellytherapies.com slash blood or by clicking the link in the show notes and getting on our wait list. I cannot wait to see y'all in our next course. I am so excited. It is a great way to start a new year and a new you with confidence and no confusion about what's going on in your body. Well, if you love this episode, I also want to say the next two months are going to be awesome because we're going to continue to dive into some of these topics on blood chemistry and how you can find different things in it and what those details are. We're going to talk about cholesterol. We're going to talk about thyroid. We're going to talk about all these different things just to wet your palate, just to give you a little glimpse of what it's like inside of Blood Lab Boot Camp. Well, if you love this episode, I will say subscribe so you don't miss any more. And if you thought of a friend while you were listening to it, I would encourage you to take a screenshot, send it to that friend and tell them I'm thinking about you or do us a favor and share it on your Instagram stories and tag us. I would love to see what episodes you're loving right now and how we can best serve you next. So in the meantime, you can connect with us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners, and this is a great place where you can follow us on our stories, talk with us, ask your questions, and maybe get some of your questions and thoughts featured on our podcast. In the meantime, I hope you guys have a great week, and remember, miracles are immediate, but healing takes time.